0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Met, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Vox from TheEthicalPanda.com.
1: And I'm Andy Nelson from TheNextReal.com.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 7, which begins with a majestic reveal of Asgard and ends with a young Thor trying to impress his father. Once again, we have Ryan Bennett, the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Ryan,
2: what first got you into Marvel? Uh, Storm. And I don't know if you guys will be visually mm. seeing, but I'm wearing it today. Uh basically, nice, basically nice. X-Men movies. Cause I didn't start out with comics. I just started out reading the comics. So I guess I should say first the X-Men movies, then I saw Storm because I was thinking, um, just basically as a black girl, as a black female, um, I remember seeing her on, I forgot the the patio scene, um, uh, with Professor X and she was just she was mad about something and the whole weather like you saw the clouds everything just totally changed mm-hmm. and I just thought like what cool power like if I was just pissed one day and I went outside and I could just <laughs> you know I could just make like I could change the weather and nobody could do anything like I have to calm down before everybody else is you know okay like they have to pay attention to how I feel and I thought that was such a cool moment you know, just to see her, just to see, or see Halle Berry do that role and the sea storm. And I thought, so that just took off for me there. I was like, Marvel had me at like characters that just grip you, grip your heart and keep you going. And it was just like, I was, they had me, I was on a train after that.
1: I I wish that Halle Berry had more to do as Storm because I think she's such an interesting character. And I'm like, give her more. She deserves her own movie. The, there's so yeah, much. that's fine. Yeah. Always my I ask six Men
2: <laughs> Yes, give her something there, yeah, something else. Yeah, but I like, yeah, I miss that so much. I'm hoping one day they'll give her, they'll not her specifically, but Storm some some kind of, you know, something in the universe to do or to mix it up a little bit. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, because
0: Haley Bailey still got it better than the next... I forget the second actress who played her in the most recent movies, but again, not a great thing. But we will uh, be talking about a different god of weather in just a moment.
1: Do you want to jump into the conversation with us about Thor and the minutes that we are discussing this week? Well, we have a growing group of Marvel fans just waiting to chat with you in our Discord server. Head to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the Discord link.
2: Ryan, let me start by asking, so what grabbed you about this minute? This minute was still very visual for me. I um, was still in that intro of the buildings and of Asgard. Still things are floating. And we're wondering, like, you know, how, how are they doing this? <laughs> What's the mythology behind it? Um, and that idea of, you know, you get to hear... Um, Odin still talking, you know, you figure out he's talking to his boys as we keep continue to go. But yeah, it's just very visually stunning, this moment mm-hmm. that I love. Just, I'm And I'm so curious at how they created all this, like production design-wise and effects. I'm very curious at how they created Asgard and that setup for that.
1: Yeah, I, I hope I can find somebody from Whiskey Tree to talk about it, because I'd love to know more about it. I know, I you know, Bo Welch, who is the production designer on the film, he did talk about it, because I think there, there was a lot that came from him, from Kevin Feige himself, of uh, Kenneth Branagh, all the people, Uh, but Beau Welch said that Asgard evolved into a very minimalist, architectural calm environment. The Mm -hmm. technology of their building, construction, the methodology, you have no idea. You don't know how they get at it. It's so advanced the human brain cannot even comprehend it. We decided that Asgard is inhabited by warrior gods, but that they live at the top of the nine realms. Their privileged perspective on the universe should be so advanced, so absolutely peaceful and elegant that it should not be cluttered with normal details that we normally associate human beings with on a purely the- theoretical level, Asgard should be nothing. I mean, perfection is nothing, but you have to have something in front of the camera. So that's where we're going. A whiff of Jack Kirby, a whip of Norse mythology, and a large dollop of modern architecture. <laughs>
0: it, 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 it's funny the way you describe that. It makes the Asgardians sound like the 1%. Not like, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right? About, they're
0: above everything. They're not perfect, but... <sighs> Yeah. Uh, I also have to mention for the, um, the Babylon 5 fans out there, who I'm always going to try to pump up. There's probably two of you, but still, you know, we talked about how John Michael Straczynski, uh, kind of helped do a rewrite of this, or at least was involved in the writing process. In the thing he's most known for, Babylon 5, the, the Mimbari, one of the races who are seen as by humans as kind of super technologically advanced in an almost mythological way, live in a world where it's all, All the cities are carved out of the side of mountains as though from crystals. And I know he never got to show that on screen and always wanted to. He's not part of the visual effects department. I don't think there's any connection there. But I I hope he got to have a little happiness uh, getting getting to put that in this movie, at least.
1: It's. I mean, I find it so stunning to actually watch the whole open of this minute as we kind of do this Asgard flyby, I guess we'll call it. I mean, again, coming up from the canyon as we do, which, I mean, it's, it's a cool way to kind of reveal. But then you start kind of like zooming in, you get close, you see like these enormous statues of, I don't know, warriors of some sort that are kind of scattered around the city. You know, we see one very early on kind of. On the first pass over what looks like kind of a walkway, I I will say as a side note, it feels very Star Wars in that as we go through these, I feel like I'm not seeing any railings or anything next to these. What look like plummets to your death if you happen to fall off of them seems very unsafe for the way that the city is constructed. But regardless, it's just beautiful. I mean, there's so much gold and lustrous kind of elements in the construction, I, I don't know. I just I find it just mesmerizing to look at. It's very easy to just kind of scrub through and just stare at it. Like, you could pull anything out of it as a still and just hang it up. It's a, such a beautiful city.
0: Definitely. Right, and so from there, we also learn that the uh, all this voiceover exposition has been uh, Odin kind of talking to Loki and Thor, which I really like. I like moments like that where, I mean, I love just straight exposition. We keep talking about Star Wars, you know, just give me yellow words scrolling. But I think it's kind of fun when, like, what seems like the, you know, a character just talking to us, the audience, becomes actually something that's happening in the midst
2: of the story itself. Yeah. And the fact that he's a dad like that's So like you just think about the guy of mm-hmm. God in that sense. Like at first you're thinking, OK, this guy, he, he he defeats the war. He's bringing us in the Asgard. You know, this is where he rules. And he's like, nobody can touch him. And, you know, maybe he's floating over here and, you know, and he's got these certain buildings. But he's a dad. And he's trying to, like, you know, maybe he's not doing it the best way, but he's trying to, like, talk to his sons and kind of explain, you know, what exactly he does as a ruler, so to speak, and what Asgard is all about. But is he succeeding? You know, he has a nice tone to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Certainly, we keep talking about what we know about uh, him from Ragnarok. The phrase, the others, at one point, it was Asgard and its warriors who brought peace to the universe. and. That always sounds like what the winners say. You know? Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always we brought peace by defeating everyone else. Uh again, I'm the hardcore Thor fans might be a little annoyed at the cynicism we're here because maybe that's not what's supposed to be the thought here, but now that we have Ragnarok, you know, it's kinda hard not to see that.
1: Well they got all this gold from somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> also very true. Also very true. And so now we get our introduction to the two characters who are gonna be a very big part of this movie and I mean they're the the MCU going forward for quite a while, even if now Disney Plus TV shows, Thor and Loki. What's your take on getting to meet them as kids?
1: First of all, I just want to say they cast the kids really well. They both have the presence of their Mm -hmm. adult selves. They kind of have the look of their adult selves and the way that they actually perform the script. I mean, you know, kid performances can sometimes be what they are, but I think they both actually carry it off pretty well. I I enjoy uh, meeting them this way.
2: First of all, both kids are very cute, very cute. Um, this is the first time for me I remember liking Loki. I'm just going to put that out there. Until we get into further into the MCU, you know, with everything we have with Disney Plus and everything. But, yeah, I forgot how this made me remember his innocence. And I forgot, you know, the, the yeah. ideals he had growing up. Like, you forget that a lot as you make it through the rest of the Thor films. But, yeah, I, th- I definitely thought the the casting was, like, spot on as you see in these uh, two, little, two little guys, sort of speak, growing up and how they would have looked. So I thought that was spot on. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that
0: now, 10 years later, at least one of them is able to do a, like, you know, Thor, uh, Thor lookalike contest now that they're an adult. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and Ryan, I think you make a great point there, because, you know, one of, one of the things that I most love about the movie Thor is that for all its talk of gods and science fiction and frost giants, the fundamental story is about two brothers trying to figure out their relationship with a father— who kind of had to choose between the two of them and like that's a very human story that most of us can relate to and i think a lot of times when you hear a story about two brothers who are rivals you know in comic books that's a very common story but you meet them as adults and and seeing them as kids you kind of help remember like yeah it doesn't it doesn't make me forgive loki for everything but like there's a lot of damage that can happen to people. There's a lot of ways that we're shaped by what happens to us as 10-year-olds. And so seeing that, yeah, it just really hit hard for me.
1: Well, and we're certainly going to have more of that to talk about in the next minute. There's, I, I think the next mm-hmm. minute has some some fairly questionable um, parenting. But in this particular minute, I mean, I, I like that it does set it up as kind of this tale that that he's telling. I, I, You know, I did have a question, like, how much time do you think happened from the time of the war to now with these kids, like were Thor and Loki kids? Were they even born at the time of the war? I mean, I, 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 I'm sure we could. I'm sure somebody has put down somewhere uh, about that, but I don't know. It made me wonder, like, how much time has actually passed by the time Odin is telling the story to the kids.
0: Well, I know in Norse mythology, you know, you're like Greek mythology. You're born, and then you kind of get to, like, a perfect state of adulthood, and then you just sort of stay there. (laughs) In the comic books, though, they are, you know, beings, I assume, and we see Odin getting old. Is is there any sense from the comic books about, for the Asgardians, like, what their timelines are like? Is it that, you know, they have the same kind of stages of growth, but... They're a toddler for 2,000 years and the terrible twos are another thousand years. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you're very bad for Frigga, but you know, that just sounds horrible. Yeah. What's the timeline for these (laughs) these kids like? Do we know from comic books?
1: You know, I, I feel like because they kind of took the idea of they're not necessarily gods, but they're these beings that that can rule because they're more powerful than all of us mid-Guardians, and they live for such a long period of time, since they kind of took that approach, uh, I think, largely, or, or I mean, I think it varies over time, depending on, on who's telling the stories and whatnot. But I, I feel like it's you know i i yeah i guess it's just that you end up having just incredibly long childhoods you know it, it's just they don't i don't feel like they ever really deal with any of those periods where like oh we've got you know 5000 more years of of him at this age um it's it it's nothing like that so i don't know i it's it's i feel like they just they tell it how they need to at the moment in order to just get the story they want.
2: Yeah. I'm just assuming Frigga had a lot of wine to get through those, get through those, th- those <laughs> get the, you know, she had to do something to get through all that kind of stuff to deal with those two.
1: It, right.
2: Yeah. Th- Thor
0: as a toddler does sound like a rather terrifying yes. concept. Yeah. So I, I can, uh, yeah. A lot of my <laughs> mom blogging from, from Frigga in that regard. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I think also, Annie, you make a very good point that for the MCU at least is trying very hard have one very, you know, distinct canon and kind of with Loki and what if they've blown that up. And I I have some thoughts about that on my other podcast. but That's another story. But I think because of that, we can sometimes forget that Lee and Kirby were not doing I mean, there's just different writers every 10 years. And they kind of were like, oh, well, all right. If you were reading it as a kid in the nineteen seventies, you probably couldn't get the ones from the nineteen sixties. You didn't care about the continuity, and so I think sometimes we look back to the comic books wanting to find like, what's the truth? Well, there's eight different versions. Pick whatever you want.
1: There were yeah. so many Ragnaroks in the comics. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I, yeah. I mean, and I think that's it. I mean, I mean, geez, when we first started with Thor, I mean, as we talked about in our hiatus episode, he was Donald Blake, a doctor on a trip in in Norway, who happened upon a stick that he hits on the ground that turns into Mjolnir and he becomes Thor anytime he strikes it on the ground. And then he strikes it again, he goes back to Donald Blake. It was very much kind of that whole superhero mythos of, especially with people like Daredevil, it's, as they called it at the time, a crippled man who ends up becoming an all-powerful god when he strikes this stick on the ground and so he became kind of the whole idea of the superhero and it wasn't even until like five years later or something that they said oh no no all that time you were actually thor odin had just sent you here to kind of straighten you out a little bit and took away your memory but you really are thor and so it's they're constantly rewriting it
0: for sure i just want to add one quick quote from Branagh before i let andy you get to something i you even chomping at the bit to get into because uh because Branagh also said about this question because we're looking at 50 years of comics and where do you put the pin in it and that fathers and son issue, dad runs the universe and he needs someone to take over. And OK, that could be Henry the Fourth and Henry V. And so I think this is also where we start to get that Shakespearean element that I know what – you know, Branagh was a, a Shakespearean actor and director. That's what he was known for. I, I first found out about him through Much Ado About Nothing and then Henry Fifth, and all those. And I remember being so surprised when I heard he was wanting to direct this. And so – understanding that he saw it in these shakespearean terms helped really make a, make a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, uh Andy, I know you've been wanting to talk about the actor uh who plays uh, young Loki, I believe.
1: Yeah, we have our young actors uh playing young Thor and young Loki. Dakota Goyo plays young Thor and Ted Alpress plays young Loki. Um you know, I I, I love doing the IMDb game with these people. The kids I think are going to be Difficult. I don't know how uh, easy they'll be for either of you, especially because Ted Alpress, who plays young Loki, really had a very limited career from about 2011 to 2014. He only appeared in a short uh, film, this movie, and then two TV properties. So not a lot of work. I don't know what he's up to anymore these days. Um, As for Dakota Goyo, though, um, he was a little busier. He also seems to have kind of dropped from... Um, The business as of late, but he actually does have what I would say is the IMDb. We could play the IMDb game with him. I doubt either of you have seen many of the films. So I'm just going to tell you what he's known for. The first one is Real Steel, which I absolutely love that movie. Um, He plays uh, Hugh Jackman's son in that film. If either of you have seen it, uh, you'd remember. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one who finds the robot, right? And mm-hmm. kind of builds it so they can go do their oh, robot yeah, battles the father, and stuff. that's
0: father-son Rock'em Sock'em Robots?
1: That's exactly <laughs> okay. it. Love it. Such Enjoy, a great yeah. movie. Uh, the second film on his list is Dark Skies, which I very vaguely remember coming out. I think it was a, um alien forces or something coming to attack people sort of story. The third one is Rise of the Guardians, which I, I love that animated film. Um, he plays um, one of the young kids who... Um, you know, they're trying to change his beliefs of the Easter Bunny and Santa and all that. And the last of which is Thor. So, I mean, you know, he had a good run of his own career from about, uh, again, it was very short, from about uh, 2007 through 2014. He hasn't done anything since. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know if he's up to some other stuff. But, I mean, he was about 12 at the time this movie came out. So, who knows what that is in Asgardian years. But, um <laughs> But still I I think that he's very well cast for this.
0: Well, and look, anytime you look into what a child star is doing now and it doesn't involve drugs or the police or anything like that, I'm happy. Exactly. So true. They're both they're both doing pretty well. And so then we get to see uh, that actor who's so good playing Thor, Dakota, you know, does this like, you know, well, when I'm king, I'll kill I'll kill all the giants. And you see Loki kind of looking. You know, kind of a little bit spectacle, but a little like, okay, well, that's my brother. What do you think we learned about Thor in that moment?
2: Uh, he's just, he's a fighter and I I like it like he, but he also looks like you got to reel him in a little bit. I think he tells you a lot about both his sides. <laughs> he's going to fight hard. Um, He knows the importance of Asgard, but at the same time, you got to watch him. He's got that, he's got that reckless side to him. So I love how they play that and just, it's a very, it's such a quick scene to a quick moment. But you get so much about Thor's personality and, and you kind of remember that you like, oh, well, that explains why he does da. in these movies coming up. He's always been, yeah. you know, that little boy like that. Like he's always had that two sides where he's going to fight for Asgard, but he's also very reckless. Like he once he gets that weapon and that and that in his head, he's not letting it go. It's like nobody's going to stop him after that.
1: So true.
0: <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that come eighth grade, he's either the bully Or he's the guy who stands up to the bully to protect the the weak kid. He's definitely one of those two, though. Nothing else. (laughs) Right. And then we get, um, we'll we'll talk more about Odin in the next minute. But the script actually had a whole scene uh, where Odin is talking about how he has some doubts about Thor. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to, to look at that at all, Ryan, but um, what do you think we get by not having that scene and just having Odin kind of like looking over this? Do you think something like that would help the story more or maybe not been so useful?
1: It's an interesting scene in that it kind of sets up Odin's concerns about Thor and, and you know, knowing that Thor is a little headstrong. It also kind of introduces this whole idea that Odin is kind of sick and that, you know, mm, yeah. there, the, he needs to have his all sleep, which we're going to, We'll obviously see later in this film, but it sets it up in such a weird way that it seems like he's sick and dying. And so I think it may have been more confusing than anything. If they had ended up keeping that in the film.
2: I don't know if it was necessarily needed, but I I think it would have made maybe what happens between Odin and Thor as we go throughout the film, maybe a less of a blow to know a little bit more about like the background. Cause at first it just looks like a dad. That's just like, you're like, is he, is he too over the top right now? Is this too much? You know, and that would have <laughs> give us a little more of his insight and in his thinking and, you yeah. know, where's because I know I remember first seeing this film Thor like before. The and I was it was a blow to me. I was like, well, did he have to do all that and send him back? And he doesn't know like where anything is. And, you know, he's on, you know, he's on Earth now, doesn't know what's going on. Did he have to do all that? But that would have gave us like a little bit of a, a backstory. But, you know, I mean, it's Marvel. You got to have that big blow. So maybe they didn't want to give too much, too many details, you know. <laughs> yeah. You just sort of wonder, like.
0: Is Odin just a, like, zero tolerance, like, the first time Thor does something horrible, you're gone, or is this kind of, like, the last straw, Right. you know, and that Thor has always been the reckless kid, but he promised Dad, okay, no more, and it's because Odin sees that he hasn't changed that that's why, you know, he does what he does later. Yeah, I think it's a really good great point. Very much. Now, so there's other some great things about kind of like what we actually see in this minute in terms of the uh, like we're moving out of the canyon. We see these uh, trees that are like a garden on the patio. There's a row of flags. Andy, tell us more about like kind of what you noticed in in the way this film is, the way this scene is set.
1: It's. I just think that it's it's really interesting. City building that we get here, and I love world building in films when I feel like it's a much bigger world than we even get to be a part of. Like it, it it just feels like the filmmakers really thought about other elements of the story that you could very easily see a B story coming along and and veering off into a different direction. And what I love about this whole element, well, I love and hate. I love that we get to see such interesting parts of Asgard, like these giant canyons that kind of run through the city and everything. I hate that I never really feel like we get to spend any time in any of them. Like, I'd love in any of the films to spend time in some of these other buildings where we get to see these canyon walls and stuff. And I don't feel like we ever do. Um, so, its I mean, it's its not a huge thing. I just think it's really beautifully constructed the way that they did it. You will see throughout, and actually not just in this minute, but really all throughout the entire film, you'll start seeing the symbol um, everywhere that represents Odin. It's called the Valknut um, although it's also called Odin's Knot. Technically, that one is designed with three interlocking triangles. Technically, if you want to get real techno, this is the actual triketra or the Trinity Knot. And it's actually kind of this, the kind of the little looping uh, triangle circle thing. But they end up over time becoming used interchangeably. Often, but generally it, it'll be called the Odin's knot, and we'll see that um here we see it on the it's on the wall next to all those giant statues um you'll actually see elements of it on odin's outfit like it's actually integrated into his clothes it'll be in, in on weapons i mean it's all over the place this symbol mm-hmm. um so that's really cool. Also, just an interesting note that I never knew, the royal palace that we see, one, it was designed off of this organ shape that resembles the, let's see if I can say this, the Hallgrimskirchia.
2: Wow, nice. Or
1: the Church of Hall, Hallgrimmer. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't possibly know if you're wrong. So <laughs> I, Right, I know. Uh, well, hopefully somebody will point it out if I am. But it's uh, a Lutheran church in Reykjavik, Iceland, that kind of has this really interesting organ shape. And the actual okay. name of the palace that we go into, it's the Royal Palace of Válasgálf. So there you yeah. go.
0: And It's fun that they connect it with Iceland because these stories, these myths, we know were popular all over Scandinavia – even down into Denmark and a lot of parts of Ge- uh, what is now Germany. But the, the oldest surviving text of them, the Eddas, we all have from Iceland. Uh, you know, they survived in Iceland for, I mean, a, it's just things were preserved a lot more when it's that cold, but also, you know, ver- various things about the culture and the like. So it, it's kind of a fun little reference there. Also, there's one thing to point out about the Valknut, the way it's shown in this, it actually bears a lot of similarity also to a lot of Celtic not work. And there's definitely a lot of, like, history between – of overlap between those two sort of pre-Christian cultures, as well as uh, an unfortunate part of the story that those – both of those symbols then wind up getting appropriated when these lands get Christianized because it's also a trinity, you know, for that. So it's kind of another interesting historical note about those. And so I'm very glad they bring it in.
1: Well, and it's funny that you say that because I actually saw somebody reference how in this world of Norse mythology, they actually came to mean, and I can't remember what it was, but it was like Odin – Uh, Yggdrasil and uh, something else, one other thing, that were like three different elements that kind of tied the whole Norse mythology together, which which is kind of like the father, the son. It might have been Odin Thor and the Yggdrasil, uh, the world's tree, as kind of the father, son, the Holy Ghost, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, three is a number that has incredible magic significance to so many different cultures all around the world. A triangle is the strongest feature you can have. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to go on a geometry rant. Uh, <laughs> the kind of last comments or things we wanted to uh, touch on from this moment?
2: I'm looking forward to like more, more father son moments. Cause I, I think this is one of my favorite things about this store, because you got a lot of that, um, a lot of them duking it out. And like, I, I'm still wanting to know this floating building question. I don't know if we ever get the answer, but I can't wait to see if it's in the next minute. You know, I just want to see more of the floating floating mm-hmm. that's happening. I just made it my own word, but you know, that, that, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. <laughs>
1: No, I totally agree. Uh, the only other note I was going to have is that on the side of the shot that you see when, you, when you're when you looking at the kids as they're talking to Odin, you'll see the eternal flame. It's actually something that obviously has incredible significance um, when we get to Thor Ragnarok, um, but it's, it's on a lit dais off to the side in its own little section of the vault that we're in here.
0: Well, I'm sure it has incredible significance. We're going to talk about it, but now I have the Bengals song stuck in my head. So thank you very much for that, pointing <laughs> that out. Uh, I hope it's in the head of all you and the audiences as well. If not, I, I helped ha- make it happen. Uh, Ryan, thank you again for being a part
2: of this. I know you you do the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so basically, one of the things that drew me to it was um, basically being able to have um, Black women, um, different, all different kind of ages, um, just talk about just, just Marvel, DC, um, different comic creators, indie comic creators coming up. Um, uh, one of the things that first pulled me in is we used to do recaps of Game of Thrones and I guess that will probably pull anybody in, Oh, nice. but, um, yeah, I just loved, uh, just talking about Sunday's hair and just different things on the podcast. So you get all kinds of <laughs> different variations. And um, we also do a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, businesses in the, in different communities and, you know, whatever's new out on the thousand of awesome. streaming services, because you put a plus behind everything and everybody has a streaming service. So we cover a lot of those shows, but yeah, it's just, it's been a lot of fun for me. Just to, it's like an outlet from like day to day just to be able to, cause I watch too much TV anyway. So I'm glad somebody was able to give me a platform <laughs> to talk about it.
0: You know, I love being able to justify, like, you know, my partner says, you're really watching something else? Well, I need to for the podcast, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad your podcast is there. There's a voices that are really needed. So for people, where can they find that podcast?
2: Uh, Black Girl Nerds at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Also, blackgirlnerds.com. If you want to just look up all of our podcasts, actually, wherever you find podcasts, you can also find um, Black Girl Nerds on Apple. It's where I usually find it because you know I have way too many Apple products. But yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's out everywhere. But yeah, definitely check it out. You guys leave us comments. We're always looking to know what you guys want us to cover. So, and thank you guys again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Definitely, definitely. I'll also do one quick plug of my own.
0: We talked earlier, uh, Andy, you mentioned the, last, the lack of handrails uh, in this universe <laughs> being kind of like Star Wars. On the other podcast I run, the Star Wars Universe podcast, we've actually had a, quite a lot of discussion about why the Star Wars universe needs OSHA. The number of people who fall off railings of that, very high. They need some better workplace safety. No So kidding. thank you all to our audience. Thank you all for being a part of this. Ryan, thank you so much. Can't wait to have you back for the next minute. And have a great day.
1: Until next time, true believers.